You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Today's podcast features a chat that Tom had with Aaron Moat and Eric Tucker. They're the education power couple who co-founded the innovative Brooklyn Laboratory Charter School in New York, which is also known simply as LAB. Here's more on how this dynamic duo are leaping in a single bound over the tall challenges of creating a future-ready school, a new learning platform, all while being parents to a toddler. Aaron Moat and Eric Tucker, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. You guys are like America's uh, education power couple. Um, Eric, the the Wonder Woman movie came out, and we all know that that Aaron is like the Wonder Woman of education. Aaron, what superhero is is Eric? Yeah, um, I wish there was like a mix of the Riddler and oh. who I know is a villain and uh, Batman. Batman. Eric is uh, is always in, is always questioning, is always pushing us to do better, be better. Um, and I think Eric also. Uh, is sort of omnipresent um, when it comes to informing what we're doing, uh, when it comes to technology and reimagining design uh, when we're working with other schools. And so when I think about Batman, I think like, you know, kind of like hanging in the, a bat hanging in the corner, kind of that silent yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's why I was, I was thinking of Spider-Man maybe. But the, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I also I, found there's one called Brainiac. Um, and... <laughs> Eric kind of reminds me of Brainiac. Yeah, um, I don't even know that. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Brainiac. Eric, is there a better description than Wonder Woman for Aaron? Wonder Woman works. <laughs> that, that's a good answer because you guys, so what I love about you guys is you, you're co-founders of Brooklyn Lab Charter School, one of the most innovative schools in the country. Against my better judgment, um, Aaron is developing a learning platform that creates a, an unusually coherent design between the school and the platform. And the third super challenging task is you guys are raising a little uh, toddler together. Yeah, that's the most challenging. Right? Yeah. Maybe the, the most important, but maybe the most challenging. So I, I want to talk a little bit about all, all three of those. Let's start with uh, design. Design is really important to both of you guys. You, um, Your high school design won a, a XQ grant. And so given the physical evidence of your platform and your school and the, the grant award, you guys are re really good at design. I'd, I'd love to have you both uh, describe uh, your approach to design. Eric, maybe we can start with the school design, how do you think about approaching that task? So uh, Aaron is a technologist and we've had the uh, benefit of uh, turning to uh, the, the tradition of user-centered uh, agile design uh, as we've worked out, uh, uh, you know, how to, how to improve upon and refine the model here at Brooklyn Lab. And so a uh, part of the uh, challenge of simultaneous uh, of building future ready schools is uh, the simultaneous commitment to building durable public institutions that are built to last on the one hand uh, and building institutions that uh, are changing quickly enough to keep up with 
and keep it in front of a world that uh, that's changing very quickly. Um, and so uh, within that context, we've learned that it's critical for school models to reflect adolescent and family voice, um, to benefit from the experiences and concerns of young people, um, and to design learning experiences that are tailored to meet the needs of young people. It's interesting uh, that you talk about learning experiences, and we both use that terminology rather than talking about a, a curriculum. Why, why focus on experiences? So learning happens in context and uh, is ultimately preparation for, uh, for the future. And so there's a lot of, uh, of uncertainty uh, about what the world will demand of uh, are 11 and 12 year olds uh, right. 30 years from now and 40 years from now as they uh, are, uh, you know, raising their own families and uh, trying to kind of, uh, you know, distinguish themselves in the world of work and compose a meaningful adult life. Um, and so because we're unclear of uh, which skills are needed, which experiences are valuable, um, and how uh, kind of students need to play a role in generating uh, opportunities to learn. Uh, it's critical to uh, think uh, not, you know, both about what curriculum, what assessment, what instructional uh, moves matter from adults, uh, but ultimately also about how students uh, can make sense of uh, opportunities to learn uh, and become more agile as they uh, kind of navigate relationships and networks to access future opportunities. Aaron, um, w what are the differences between designing a platform and designing a school? Uh, well, I think uh, the similarity is that your user always breaks it. But I think in platform design, <laughs> one of the things that, uh, you know, you have to think about is that uh, oftentimes, um, we have the opportunity to do things like paper prototype and to get lots of iterative cycles of feedback. Um, when you're doing school design, you actually have to set up those iterative cycles of feedback, which is what I think is really different about Brooklyn Lab is that we um, understand what is constant um, and then we uh, hold space for innovation. And so I talk a lot about that as, the secret sauce for us is, uh, you know, being able to uh, gain license to innovate by showing results in really uh, yeah. traditional frameworks. And so I think that's very important. I think when you're building a platform, you know, uh, there are things that you build that uh, really are very bad. And, um, you know, like I remember year one building something um, around teacher workflow and playlist construction. It was really beautiful. It's, you know, it had screens that whizzed in and out. It was, it was just beautiful. I love it. I still think about it as one of the most beautifully architected things I've ever built. And then I tested it with teachers and they hated it. And, um, and then, but then I was able to go in and they said, just build a list. And so that's what the playlist interface looks like right now in Cortex for teachers to build thing, things, it looks like a list and, or more like a lesson plan. 
And I think the thing there is like the ability to pace and change user feedback um, is faster when you're working with technology. Uh, also, there's a lens of artificial intelligence and a lens of algorithmic logic that you can use in technology to make yourself smarter, faster, and better. So within Cortex, we are able from the learning object, uh, which is an individual assessment video, um, you know, quiz to uh, a course up into an in to a playlist um, up into an entire you know like year-round course, able to use algorithmic technology and a baseline algorithm to create efficacy measures, and so. In technology and building in platform, we're really trying to go to where can we create efficiencies so that we can in, introduce more time for teachers to be engaged, I think, in what's at the heart of personalized learning, which is building relationships with their students and right. student-driven learning and deeper questioning. And so in building a platform, there's certain things that I can do uh, with algorithms that I hope enhance the pedagogy and practice of uh, a teacher in the classroom and it's a it's a bit quicker and a bit faster um, just because I think uh, you can quickly put in new uh, user experience screens and switch them out where you have to be much more deliberate in school design. Make sense? Yeah, that's uh, that's really helpful. Um, you, you've had the good fortune and, and high challenge really to design a school and a platform uh, simultaneously. And so you, you guys have achieved a real level of coherence in the learning model and the school model that's supported by a, a technology stack. So a couple questions on that. Um, how can other people achieve that level of coherence without, um, you know, having to develop their own technology? Yeah, so um, I think that uh, the way we have built Cortex and sort of now what um, next year will become a user base of 20,000 students across the country um, is a, a bit of an answer to your question. Because while Cortex was conceived within Brooklyn Lab and uh, while my experience in founding the school deeply has animated um, how we've designed and developed the platform, we've also brought in other design and development partners like Achievement First and uh, other folks who have very different academic models than we have at Brooklyn Lab. And so one of the ways that I think we have sort of thought about how to solve that challenge is by making Cortex widely configurable. And so that means that schools can choose uh, how playlists unlocked, how students are grouped, what their grading scale is. Uh, they can customize their grading skill. They can upload their own set of school level skills for assessment. And so part of our hope in building Cortex and as it's evolved, we'll be shipping version four this July, is to answer this question of what would it be like to add rocket fuel to innovative school leaders who want to redesign models, but don't necessarily uh, have an enterprise architect on staff or as the co-founder. And so um, I think a lot of the coherence around my beliefs in design uh, have been deeply informed by my experience at Brooklyn Lab 
and I and I use the Batman analogy because I always think about how much Eric has changed how I've thought about assessment and how um, I when I came into education I wasn't convinced that assessment wasn't uh, a bad word I thought we assessed kids too much and what um, Eric has taught me and what I've learned from working side by side with probably the smartest person I've ever met is that um, you know that assessment delivered well assessment delivered in a way that's frequent and that's formative rather than summative or interim uh, can actually help you drive student outcomes and learning outcomes in a much uh, more cohesive way and so I would say that if you don't have a, if you don't have a platform at place, you can still think about meeting every student where they are and personalized learning. You can think about how can we differentiate the experiences in the classroom by allowing students to have some choice about where they go. How do we think even within a traditional schedule? Uh, ways where students can engage in learning experiences or signature learning experiences that build skills when it comes to multifunctional teams um, or creative know-how or wayfinding. How do we um, think about and prioritize and understand in our model what's the 75% we want to hold constant and what's the 25% we want to experiment with? And then I think if you are not at a place yet where you are ready to shift the student experience, and I always encourage schools to start first with the adult experience, to think about the adults in your building and how do you personalize pathways for their learning so that they begin to adopt a practice and a pedagogy that trickles down to students. I so hope that answers your question. That helps. Eric, um, Aaron, Aaron's got a roadmap for the platform. Do you do you have a roadmap for your for your middle schools? Do you think about a sequence of innovations over the next few years that are supported by new technology? Yes, um, uh, but also uh, you know it's important to uh, to kind of name the relationship between a learning platform that's configurable, uh, in our case, Cortex, um, and kind of what's enabled by user-centered design that uh, focuses us on listening deeply to, uh, to students' and families' aspirations. Um, because ultimately, school design, from a roadmap perspective, is defined by constraints, time, right. people, technology, uh, money. Um, and what school leaders want is to be in a position where they're more thoughtful um, uh, about how they're able to seek input from young people and the community and then adapt uh, kind of practice today uh, to better meet the needs of the future. And what we found with Cortex is that, um, you know, first, it's critical to build relationships with and communities where students feel recognized and cared for uh, and where they can broaden their own horizons and that uh, functionality like learner profiles and individualized learning plans uh, uh, and kind of agenda setting pages allow for uh, the conversation around who is Brooklyn Lab going to be one, uh, five, or ten years from now uh, to be tailored uh, down to the level of individual relationships. 
Uh, the second is that the locus of control needs to shift, that when we look at the schools that we want for five years from now, uh, they're schools that ultimately allow uh, students to manage their own learning, help students to generate and apply knowledge, research, uh, writing, coding, producing, remixing, defending their views with evidence. Um, and so uh, uh, what the school needs to look like over time uh, is increasingly leveraging the learning platform uh, in order to shift the locus of control. Um, and then also uh, intellectual work. Thirdly, intellectual work is really uh, important. Um, and a part of why uh, we're committed to learning platforms is the idea that we should uh, design rigorous intellectual experiences once uh, and then share, discover, remix uh, and kind of re-curate learning experiences so that ultimately educators are able to spend time and cycles meeting the needs of individual students rather than reinventing wheels that don't bear reinvention. So Eric, is, you've got a couple of schools open now and it's summertime and uh, you're thinking about next fall, uh, how much will be new and different next fall as opposed to just trying to get better at what you're already doing? What's the mix of innovation versus um, execution focus for you? Uh, well, we still have a, a month left of this school year. Um, and so uh, you're, you're right that we're at the time of the year where uh, we are working to finish strong, so execute against 65 end-of-year events as, as one example, uh, while ultimately focusing on uh, building adult capacity and judgment for September. Um, and so uh, every year uh, there's a set of goals that are evergreen that are consistent about what we have to accomplish because uh, they're, they're ultimately uh, things that define excellence in the public education uh, sector. And then there's a set of big rocks that we need to tackle uh, together. Um, and the challenge uh, in running schools that are committed to being better next year than they are today um, is that, you know, isn't a challenge that, uh, you know, isn't that there aren't enough big rocks. Right. The challenge is uh, 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 that moving big rocks is a team sport um, and that we need to uh, name a targeted set of places uh, that we're going to uh, improve by working hard over time together um, with enough clarity and enough focus uh, that uh, that our teams uh, kind of enter, uh, you know, a field filled with boulders with clarity um, around what we're going to accomplish together this year as a team and what we're going to put ourselves in a position uh, to do the next year and the year after that. So I, I like that idea of, um, of trying to create as much clarity as you can, clarity and roles and goals for people and, right, sustaining that as long as you can while being really clear about the the long-term vision that you've described. Yeah, it, it, it's ultimately uh, uh, a change management exercise. And right. We, uh, we talk about it in terms of limiting the vectors of innovation, that, uh, that public uh, education is a highly regulated space, 
Um, and, and being highly regulated is a good thing. You would want public schools to uh, meet basic standards for fire safety, for environmental safety, uh, for the health and well-being of scholars. Um, but in a world that's moving very quickly um, and in uh, a, a kind of sector that is uh, too often, uh, uh, you know, very uh, uh, kind of influenced by inertia, uh, the challenge, uh, uh, you know, is uh, a, a, a challenge of ultimately naming the things that, uh, that, that we are going to tackle together as a team of leading educators uh, with enough focus and with enough clarity um, so that we're disrupting the, uh, the structure uh, of schooling without ultimately disrupting uh, the learning of young people uh, or the experience of the community that's invested uh, in its public schools. <laughs> You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, and today we're talking to Eric Tucker and Aaron Moat, co-founders of Brooklyn Lab School, about balancing innovation and execution in schools. For the next part of this interview, let me describe quickly what Cortex is so that it makes a little more sense. Cortex is a learning platform that Aaron and her team developed, and it supports personalized learning progressions and also supports and tracks mastery development against state standards. Through a simple user interface that features a responsive website design, Cortex helps teachers to gather a wide range of important information about students' learning experiences in one secure location. So Tom asked Aaron to describe what's going to be new and different on Cortex this fall, and what that means for the Cortex team as well as its users. I'm really excited about the fact that we're expanding uh, to support everyone from the first charter school to open in Alabama, to uh, the San Antonio School District and Relay Grad School for Education as they roll their lab schools for the first time. And so um, I'm excited about adding new people to the Cortex community because I think it'll make me better, smarter, and it'll make my development team better and smarter about where education is going and what's next. Um, I think the thing that has been exciting for us when it comes to growth is understanding and getting more clarity around how to innovate um, and meet everyone where they are on their journey in personalized learning. So when we started with Cortex, um, you know, we uh, started with Brooklyn Lab and then we grew to Achievement First into a network that was really being inquisitive about redesign with their Greenfield model. And then we grew to other similarly situated public school districts who were thinking about redesign. What's been new about this year and what will be new about next year is working in um, districts that aren't going through whole school model redesign, um, aren't going through whole district redesign, but trying to meet a variety of different users who are at different places on uh, their spectrum of belief around personalized learning, um, whether they think it is something that's good or bad for students. And so something that we've learned a lot about this year, we're learning a lot about next year, um, I imagine we will, is how to, again, meet all adults where they are and find entry points for uh, students and teachers who are at various degrees of engagement. I think that other thing I'm really excited about for next year is, um, and we've been experimenting with it this year, 
um, is the ability for people to port whole classes. So um, as Eric and the College Board through Brooklyn Lab High School are engaged in an innovative and imaginative uh, piece of work on redesigning uh, APs and redesigning the assessment framework for APs and thinking about how APs um, can have more of those signature learning experiences that Eric was talking about. The ability for Eric to build that course in Cortex with those experiences, with those lesson plans, with that pedagogy and practice, and for anyone who's in the Cortex user community to pull down that whole course. Uh, and so when we think about issues of equity, which is why Eric and I uh, really decided to found Brooklyn Lab, um, building a school in our neighborhood that served all students, uh, I'm excited when we think about expanding access for students through personalized learning um, to classes that maybe their, uh, their high school can't offer because they don't have an AP computer science teacher or an AP seminar teacher, that there'll be the ability for us to realize, I hope, what is the best of personalized learning to close an equity gap when it comes to access of college level rigor and college level work. So that ability to share courses, whole courses throughout the community, rather than just learning objects and playlists, I think is gonna be transformative to schools who are coming on board with us. So as you uh, scale the platform, won't it by definition make you less nimble and, and maybe less well aligned with the, the Brooklyn Lab next gen vision? Absolutely. Um, and so Brooklyn Lab becomes one of, our, one of our users, right? Rather than our primary user. Right. But here's the reality. I sit in Brooklyn Lab every day. You might hear a little bit of seventh grade recess in the background right now because we are having indoor recess as the clouds are creeping in here in New York. Um, here's, here's what I think is really interesting about sitting, designing, and working in a school is that um, I get to hear from my users, students, teachers, and parents every single day. And so um, I won't, I think part of being embedded um, and having this concept of agile design permeate not just our school model, but also the way we build software means that while we're going to design for the widest use case possible in Cortex, it's still going to be deeply informed by student, teacher, and user voice. And I will always, um, I think, uh, understand that when we're talking about, when we're talking about um, what's new and what's next, in education that Brooklyn Lab will be on the forefront. But when we're talking about leading a movement and shifting wide scale change, not every school can be a Brooklyn Lab um, and can do and have the set of structures and the set of people and the sort of practices. So how do you make that achievable and possible for any school to begin this journey? And Eric, a similar question just about how you think about impact. Um, what do you think Brooklyn Labs, um, what does it mean? Uh, what is it, from an impact standpoint, what, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Uh, so at its core, uh, Brooklyn Lab is committed to Cortex because we want to move uh, education and schooling uh, to a learning-based system. 
Uh, and so uh, most schools, uh, particularly high schools, are based on a time-based system uh, that, uh, that students need to uh, have a certain uh, volume of time of exposure uh, in order to have got it, uh, whatever the kind of uh, idea of got it is. Um, and in a world where the vision of learning uh, needs to include students tackling real-world challenges, learning from failure, and thriving in a future that we can hardly imagine today. In a world where learning is connected uh, and students need to code, tinker, hack, and make, uh, it's critical that there be uh, a, a broader connected conversation, that, uh, that schools that are uh, asking themselves how to prepare their students for an uncertain future, uh, begin to join networks uh, of schools together um, and figure out uh, how is it that we can uh, take a shared set of priorities, a shared set of design constraints, um, and build learning ecosystems that emphasize application, production, uh, creation, and student collaboration uh, in working together to solve real world problems uh, in a manner uh, that's consistent with what uh, the world demands. Um, because uh, I don't think that, uh, that as Cortex grows, uh, you know, Brooklyn Lab becomes uh, more diffuse. I think once we set out the, you know, together with the ambition that it's critical that uh, young people be uh, able to thrive in a world that demands, uh, uh, you know, navigating complexity uh, and appreciating nuance, uh, you know, to use your words, uh, there's uh, uh, going to be uh, a lot of good potential solutions uh, to meet the needs of particular learners. And so, I look forward to learning how to better serve our English language learners uh, in New York uh, by learning from schools that do compelling work in the Rio Grande Valley uh, or in Seattle. I look forward to sharing work, uh, you know, insights around how to serve uh, learners uh, or young people that have learning differences, uh, how to share our lessons from Brooklyn Lab uh, with uh, a school in Kansas or a school in Iowa uh, that is tackling that problem for the first time. Um, and so uh, a part of it is that we actually are better together as educators. Um, and there's no reason at all uh, that, uh, you know, a better approach to building uh, kind of decoding skill uh, or to cultivating student fluency as readers uh, shouldn't be solved once uh, and then applied or shared across a whole range of learners and contexts. I would just also say that the network uh, makes me smarter as a designer and as a developer. And so um, both about content that works for kids, right? So the efficacy measure um, in uh, Cortex is only activated when a learning object is used 200 times. And so that means that that learning object has to be used across contexts and the efficacy is normed across different contexts, like regardless of the human in the room or, uh, you know, the 
the environment um, in terms of like, do they have swivel chairs or not? And so uh, that's where I think as an enterprise architect, your goal is to always build solutions and build technology that as it scales and grows, the architecture allows the baseline technology to get smarter. This is the whole concept of networks, right? And and uh, why it's so important to think through and about uh, having more that every incremental user you're adding to the network makes the network smarter. And so I think about this as like, I look at when I go to Yelp and I look at uh, restaurants in a city that I don't know, I'm much uh, more willing to eat at a four-star restaurant that has 300 or 600 reviews than I am willing to eat at a five-star restaurant that has two reviews. And I, so I think because we're using AI and, algorithm, and algorithms and algorithm technology in order to be able to get smarter about content, as we add more users to the network, Eric understands more and his teachers understand more about what works at a broader scale but also I understand more as a designer and a developer how to build for the widest use case possible. And Aaron, do you guys think about your work in a way that's similar to Summit Public Schools, another innovative managed network that is, that's also sharing its platform widely, that your, your impact is both through a managed network that demonstrates what's possible and a platform network that achieves an unusual level of scale? Yeah, so I think there's probably a bit of a, a, and I think it's important to strike this as a, I'd call it a philosophical difference, but like an origin story difference. And sort of where, if you compare the PLP to where Cortex is, um, I think we have a, I think Brooklyn Lab is part of that Cortex network, right? But when I take Cortex to Boston Public Schools or to Charlotte Lab, I'm not taking Cortex with Brooklyn Lab's academic model and with a set of philosophies around grades or pacing or, um, you know, how a student right. should look or what dashboards should look like. I'm saying I'm here with a platform that's highly configurable. And I want to hear about what is your unique vision of what personalized learning looks like. Will you take learning experiences from Brooklyn Lab or Achievement First or others? Probably. And I hope you do because that's part of that network effect. But what I think is really different about Summit Public Schools and about Cortex and Brooklyn Lab is this idea around uh, very crudely like the PLP comes with an academic model and a set of philosophies about how students learn and how students should engage in learning. Cortex believes that we should personalize learning, believes that we should drive uh, data to the hands of students. And so there's some philosophical beliefs that are built into the way we think about engagement and user delight and about students owning their own data and around prizing interoperability and open systems but we're not taking Brooklyn Lab's academic model and trying to scale it nationally. I think we're, we're doing something different. And so um, in some ways it's a bit of an apples and an oranges comparison uh, because schools in, in Cortex's uh, user experience, I think are really in the driver's seat around their own redesign and what they wanna decide how to do. 
because there probably couldn't be, and I think this is the the benefit of having achievement first, um, and I'm so grateful to them at the design and development table early in the products evolution that you know Brooklyn Lab and Achievement First are in in I think a couple different like in different places um, when it comes to uh, some beliefs about culture and about personalized learning about teachers and and things like that and I think those are both really legitimate academic models, really legitimate organizational models. I believe we are far more common in a lot of ways organizationally and operationally than might be on its face. But their academic model is very different than Brooklyn Labs. And yet the platform works across the two and Achievement First is able to configure it and make it their own. Um, and I think that's a very powerful thing. Eric, uh, what, what's the coolest thing about the new XQ winning high school that you're going to open? What are you most excited about? I think it's that uh, too often in education, uh, youth with great intelligence, creativity, uh, and potential are not challenged and prepared uh, and engaged. Uh, in ways that support them uh, to uh, have a credible pathway uh, to uh, post-secondary success. Um, and uh, we have an opportunity uh, here in Brooklyn to uh, have students and family members, uh, business leaders, and universities join together uh, to map the charging stations that could power learning, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, from cultural institutions to universities, from youth serving nonprofits uh, to uh, interesting, quirky tech startups, uh, New York has and Brooklyn have world class uh, potential charging stations to power learning. Um, and I'm excited to work with our faculty, to work with our students. Uh, to uh, develop ways to uh, ensure that young people are connecting with the charging stations that are going to make the most difference for them. Uh, because one of the persistent challenges uh, in public education uh, is that, uh, you know, that, you know, there could be uh, uh, two different young people who live in a community uh, that has world-class charging stations uh, in the you know museums, universities, in the way that uh, that Brooklyn does, um, but uh, you know kind of have disparate access uh, to those opportunities. Uh, we're committed to all learners, uh, you know, particularly those that a school is least uh, likely to serve well, uh, having access to breakthrough opportunities to learn. That's exciting. And uh, folks can learn more about uh, the school at brooklynlaboratoryschool.org. Aaron, uh, they can learn more about Cortex at innovateedunyc.org, innovate. right? Yep, absolutely. You'll see the Cortex brain at the top. Click there and you can watch some videos of Cortex in action at our partner schools. And uh, Aaron, all of this stuff uh, really depends on um, some pretty basic plumbing that needs to get better fast. So the three of us are big um, advocates for interoperability. We've worked together on uh, Project Unicorn. Where, they, where could they learn more about that? Proj, P-R-O-J, unicorn.org. 
we are trying to uh, make it possible for students and teachers and districts to own their own ed tech data um, in service of education and to really send a strong signal to the ed tech market that interoperability is important and that it matters uh, that students need to own their data. Teachers need to get their Sundays back instead of spending all this time uh, downloading PDFs and then putting them into Excel files and then moving them to a grade book to make courseware meaningful in the classroom. And so we are launching a, and have launched a big effort to have school districts sign a pledge uh, to uh, pitch their school district towards interoperability and uh, have the resources to do it, uh, both in terms of sample data sharing agreements, uh, inventories, standards alignment, so on and so forth. So we'd love for folks to sign the pledge at progunicorn.org and uh, join what is, I hope, a growing national movement that's now 40 districts strong, representing over a million students, uh, trying to change the dynamics in ed tech around who owns student data and who's in control of how we get our data out. Aaron and Eric, you guys are inventing the future. We appreciate your work. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much to Eric and Aaron for speaking with us today and to Tom for another great interview. If you're interested in hearing additional podcasts about innovative schools, be sure to check out season two, episode 56 of our podcast, where we share how student-led OneStone is transforming Boise as well as season two, episode 41, where we discuss how Tacoma's Summit Olympus is placing learning in students' hands. You'll find these and more Getting Smart podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. And while you're checking everything out, be sure to subscribe and read us. And as always, for more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Kat signing off. <laughs>